0: Psalm 34. Now read with me here. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. From verse 1, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt the Lord, his name together. Now hear what it says. It says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from how many? All of my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from what? All of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth around them that fear him and delivereth them Oh, taste and see that the lord is good blessed is that man that trusteth in him oh fear the lord ye his saints for there is what no want to him that fear no want he delivers them from all their fears he saves from all his troubles all his fears all his troubles, there is no want to them that fear him. Then he tells us the young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. You See how powerful these descriptions are. Then he says, Come ye children and hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So he now wants to teach us the secret, the fear of the Lord. For whoever fears God, he says, magnify. Let us exalt the name of the Lord together. For I sought the Lord; He delivered me from all my fears. And then he says, the angel of the Lord encampeth around them that fear Him and delivereth them. O oh, fear the Lord, O oh ye saints, for there is no want to them that fear Him. Now, so he says, come, ye children, verse eleven. Hearken unto me; I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he? Now, listen to what David said here. That desireth life, and loveth many days, that he may see good. Keep thy tongue from evil, and thy lips from speaking guile. Guile there is hypocrisy. It says, depart from evil, do good. Seek Peace and pursue it. What is this peace? It is this peace we are saying that is inside the heart of a person. Where there is no guile upon the lips of that person. Where it tells us glory to God in the highest. And he says peace unto all men. Goodwill and peace unto all men. In other words, goodwill from your heart. Peace is not, you know, a condition that we try to establish on the outside it's a condition that is inside the heart of a person towards another which means regardless of how a person treats you regardless of how a person responds to you right peace is 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 an extension of goodwill from your being towards people where you, the state of your heart And the words of your lips are consistent towards that individual. It's peace that you extend towards that person. And in order for you to operate in that space, all right, all unresolved issues there in the place of prayer, you let go of those things and come to a place of peace and come to a place there of goodwill towards that person. It says, depart from evil, do good, seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open up unto their cry. The face it says of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. We see this also in first Peter and chapter three. It tells us and from verse ten, it says For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. That is, he doesn't say, peace, peace, unto his neighbor. Guile, that's what guile means. Guile is deception. Peace, peace, but on the inside, it's something else. Let him ensue evil. Deal with that and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. It says, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears is open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you are followers of that which is good? It says, who is he that will harm you if you are followers of that which is good? Now, this speaks about uh, stopping, you know, things that we'll call diabolical forces and witchcraft. So what really happens in, in in order to penetrate the life of a person with evil? This is what Satan does as a strategy, and it's important that you get it. What he does is, first of all, to provoke that person. Now, once he provokes you, and you get to a point where you are offended at any person because of satanic provocation. And then you step into a place of unforgiveness. And you now develop an animosity inside your heart towards that individual. Then you have opened up a door through which he can gain entrance into your life and do harm. Let me repeat that. The door alright, that what opens up the door for demonic spirits to be able to come in and hand people is that first of all, there has to be, alright, animosity or an unforgiveness inside the heart of that person. For example, we know that Joseph walked in forgiveness because the Lord was with him and wherever he went, he prospered. Now, his brothers had treated him in such a way that he must have been hurt by what they did. But Joseph released his brothers from that such that demonic spirits could not come in. You know, once I I had this, I I was living in a house many years ago, and suddenly rats began to come into the house. Now, I want to teach this from the concept of forgiveness and unforgiveness. And let me show what I'm saying here. That it's unforgiveness that opens the door. So, Jesus' teaching said that a man desired forgiveness from his Lord, and he was forgiven and released from the debt. Then what did he do? He saw his fellow servant that had done him wrong, and he held that man and put him in prison. Then what happened was that the other servant heard of it and cried unto the Lord and said, see what this servant has done, after you forgave him of all the debt that he owed. And then the Lord of that servant stepped in and said, I will deliver you unto tormentors. Now, and tormentors they meant he now started having placed in a place of torment, which is a place where demonic forces can now have access to your soul, to trouble you, to torment you, to cause stress, to cause all kinds of things. But how did he open that door? He broke the bloodline. What God did for him, he didn't transfer it to his brother. He was forgiven. That's what Jesus says, love even as I have loved you. It's no longer love your neighbor as yourself, but love even as I have loved you. In other words, I forgave you of everything. So you are to transfer that to the lives of people around you. And that's how you maintain your walk with God, where demonic forces can have no entrance into your life. But once you step into the place of unforgiveness, and you hold an animosity inside your heart towards people, then you have broken that blood covering, and then Satan can now come in. So Satan, being a strategist, he looks at somebody and says, the only way we can get into the life of this person is we have to raise somebody to provoke this person. And if he responds to that satanic provocation and gets deeply upset at what, all right, had happened and starts walking in unforgiveness, then he has opened up the door now we can now come in with other things and dominate the life of that person. And this is what he said here. So this is what Satan does. So Jacob gets into Laban's house and Satan says, I want to destroy all right, the life of Jacob. So he begins to provoke Jacob. All right, Laban begins to behave in a way that is not right. It's called satanic provocation. right? He raises up a voice. He raises up somebody to say something about, to do something, to treat you in a certain way. If a person is going on in their career or in their business and they are doing well, then satanic provocation comes. A staff maybe does something uh, to hurt and and to injure the heart of that person. And if he responds in that injury and gets offended, then they say, now we can come into this business and begin to wreck because he's holding something against this person and he has broken that blood um, um, uh, covering there and we can now invade there. So Jacob forgave Laban. He, he Then it was, his wages were changed ten times. Jacob stayed away from the place of strife and the place of offense uh, and stayed inside that zone that was free of strife. You can understand what Martin Luther King therefore was saying when they were fighting for the civil liberties of the black race in America. And he kept saying, listen, let's keep it in the place of peace. He was talking and people couldn't understand. He was talking about forgiveness. He said, look, people have done this. Let's let's go back. Vengeance and all of that. He says, no, let us stay in that zone of peace. He knew that once you get out of that match of peace, once you get out of that powerful peaceful protest there yes you protest but it's a peaceful thing it says once you get out of it then what happens is the spiritual power that will bring about the change you have broken that particular thing and then the enemy can come in so in this house of mine i started at one particular point in time rats began to come in and i'll just hear rats all right in the kitchen and all of that so I set up traps, and sometimes this is how we want to deal with situations. We're trying to put out the fire, but we don't go to the source of it. We don't go to the e- entry point, and we're just trying to put out. So I wanted to catch this rat. So I set up um, traps there, and I will catch the rat, you know, and I will be happy and all of that. But then I'll go to sleep again, and then I will hear noise again. What's going on? How many rats are inside this house? So what happened was one day I didn't even know what was happening. I called the plumber to come and fix something in a pipe, and while he was fixing it, he just said, "By the way," he said what? He said, "The person who lived in this house, you know, actually um, routed the plumbing system, and maybe that's why he had a problem here." But he said, do "You have you having problems with rats?" I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Because th- there's a pipe here." and it has been left, it's not blocked, and rats can come in through that pipe into the house. And then suddenly, I discovered the entry point for all the rats coming in. So I said, my goodness, this has been the problem. He said, oh, what's been going on, I told him. We filled that entire place, stuffed it up, and blocked that hole there, and that was the last time I heard the sound of any rat. Now, people have demonic rats running around their lives. And they're trying to deal with this. But the root cause of it is that they are deeply offended at something that somebody... And this is what Peter was saying. He says, he says and who shall harm you if you are followers of that which is good? If you are followers of that which is good, if you are walking in peace, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, follow peace with all men. Now, it doesn't mean that some people are not upset and angry about your rise. But it says, follow peace. You maintain the kingdom of God, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Let there be peace inside your own heart. If you hear about you started a business, you want to grow something, and you start growing, and you will hear people maybe that you know say things that can be painful or injurious. Follow peace inside your heart towards those people. Drop it and get into the place of prayer. You might not even know them. You don't want to uh, make a call and start getting into because they're not in your direct, they're not part and parcel of what's going on in your life at that particular point in time. So you don't want to get yourself into, oh, denial and somebody increases the hurt and pain. You just want to walk through that valley of the shadow of death. You just want to walk through. And, and this is what happens. You're in an office and some competitive person just comes in. And starts doing its satanic provocation to get you into a place where you develop animosity inside your heart towards that person. Now, so you've got to follow peace in your heart towards every single person. And this is how you know you've lost the peace. You catch yourself saying things, all right, privately in discussions that that can be injurious to that person. Because of the heart that you have on the inside, you are speaking from that place of pain because of the way and manner in which you have been treated. And this kind of satanic provocation goes on so people don't rise. So you've got to follow peace. Take that injury to God in the place of prayer. Call the name of that person out before God. Pray the blessing of God upon that person. Prophesy good things into the life of that person. Follow peace, that's what he's saying, Inside your own heart, which means goodwill is extending from your own heart. Even if people are thinking evil and saying nasty things, you follow peace. This is a very powerful thing. You shut the door to demonic entry people are amazed. You just keep rising and you keep rising and you keep rising and that pool, that demonic pool, that enchantment and divination cannot reach you because you are walking. that's what the Bible says that. It says anybody who hates his brother gets blinded and he doesn't know at what he stumbles. So if you are provoked, alright, and you allow yourself to be caught into that satanic provocation, then what happens is the animosity blinds your eyes and then you start stumbling. So what you've got to do is to release it as fast as you can and establish inside your heart a stronghold of peace by making intercession for people who treat you wrongly, speaking powerful words in the place of prayer, praying a blessing upon their lives and stay focused on the objective that is before you and stay on course. Let, Let me just close with this thought here. That, that will show what we're talking about in a much deeper dimension. If we go to Isaiah chapter 2, now I want us to see this, and the power of peace. Alright? This then of following peace in your heart. It says, without this, no man shall see the Lord. It says the chastisement of, of God is grievous. It's not joyful. It say, and then it goes on and tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, For whom the Lord loveth, Hebrews 12, 6, he chasteneth, or correct, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as mature sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. So it talks about that you become illegitimate is talking about something in the hebrew culture which means a bastard was a child that could not receive the inheritance of that family and so he was announced all right to the elders of israel that this is a stubborn child i put him under chastisement and he didn't respond to the chastisement so he's now called a bastard in public and he cannot partake of the inheritance right that is inside that family so he says, anybody who will operate as a son must go through chastisement. So he went on, he says, Furthermore, we had our fathers of our flesh. That's what he was talking about. Who corrected us and we gave them reverence. How much more shall we not rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and leave? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Look at what he says. Now, no chastening seemeth for the present seemeth joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, it yieldeth the peaceable fruits of righteousness. The purpose of chastisement is to bring about what is called peace inside. What God is trying to correct inside is this issue of animosity. That's why the person is under chastisement. He wants you to, it says, fathers in the flesh corrected. In order, they wanted to remove a default in your character, so they put you under correction. We yielded unto them and gave reverence and submitted unto them, and then we entered into things. And it says, based on that, you could partake of the inheritance. It says now, the father also wants to bring great inheritance. There are many events, powerful things that are about to happen in your life. But he says, I will take you through the same process. Are you hearing this? Yeah. I will take you through the same process uh, and bring you under chastisement. There. And he says, but it's grievous unto them that are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands that hang down and the fobill needs. Make straight paths for your feet, that that which be lame, all right, be not turned out of the way, but be healed. Follow peace with all men. And that's partaking of the nature and the holiness of God. That's what he says here. Follow peace, that's what God wants, with all men, for without which no man shall see the Lord. So God says that want wants you to exercise yourself in a place of forgiveness and, and establish peace in your heart towards these people. He says you are going to enter into a series of events shortly where you partake of the inheritance of God and participate in his divine nature. And what he wants is, yes, you got injured by somebody. There was satanic provocation. But he says, let go of it. Get into the place of prayer. For there is an inheritance that is coming your way. Submit yourself unto the dealings of God. Lift up your hands and the knees there and get into that place of prayer and forgive and release the people there. And then stay there in prayer until a fortress of peace and goodwill has been built towards these people. Watch what will happen. Shortly after that watch the trigger of events that are going to come. You will step into miraculous things. You practice it and you see the greatness of God's power that will be released into your life. i got to stop here. Time is out. I just want to pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. Father, I pray for a supply of grace into the hearts of those who are going through satanic provocations right now that has developed an offense inside their heart. Strengthen them with your spirit in their inner man so that they can with patience walk in the path of peace and fullness of joy releasing every hurt and every pain within their soul as they enter into the place of prayer. For their are fruits of righteousness you've ordained for them. Massive things you are about to bring forth into their lives. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you very much for watching and allowing us into your homes and your private spaces. God bless you and have a wonderful week in his presence. Thank you. Amen. Welcome to the teaching session in uh, this particular service. We just say a word of prayer before we get into it. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you that we can gather this morning to your word. We ask by the power of your spirit resident on the inside of us that you will grant unto me utterance, that I will speak as your oracle, that your word will go forth in simplicity but with accuracy and in power that our hearts will be established in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and God will be glorified through this word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we want to continue on our um, teaching. We started the, we've been talking about this, and we're starting a new series that we have termed um, a, a relationship series that will cover all types and forms of human relationships upon the earth. I want to draw the ground rules um, today about this. And I want to look at something in particular. And we're starting out with what we've been teaching on um, during the week. And that's from Psalm 66 and verse 18. We want to start off from that point. And I want to show something uh, this morning that is very important and really crucial in our relationship with God. Now in Psalm 66 and verse 18, it tells us this which is really powerful. Okay, Uh, let me start reading from verse 16. It says come and hear all ye that fear God and I will declare what he has done for my soul. And then it goes on in verse 17 and says I cried unto the Lord with my mouth and he was extolled with my tongue. Now, as a principle, this is how prayer really works. Uh, David had said, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. So the most powerful way to pray is to mix your petition with praise. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. The uh, Bible tells us in the book of Acts that when Paul and Silas preached, prayed, and he says, and they sang praises. Another translation makes this very clear. Paul and Silas prayed, and when they began to mingle praises with their prayers, that was when the results began to manifest. So what you do in order to pray effectively is to mingle your prayers prayers with praise and here is what david said here he said i cried unto him with my mouth and then he was extolled with my tongue so he had fulfilled the basic demand in order to get the answer to the prayer but then he now said something in verse 18 that is really powerful he said if i regard iniquity in my heart the lord Will not hear me. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now I want to go further this morning and do justice to this. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He said, But verily God hath heard me, and he has attended unto the voice of my prayer. And this speaks to us about the blessing blocker when it comes to prayer. Uh, the major hindrance there, that if I regard iniquity inside my heart, the Lord is not going to hear my cry when I make it. Now, what's this iniquity that it's speaking about? Um, this is where we're starting all from. What's the iniquity that he's speaking about? For he said, if I regard it inside my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Uh, For years, you know, this scripture could have been quoted in such a way that it almost literally destroys faith in the heart of the person who is offering up the petition. Because once you feel that your prayers don't seem to be getting the results that you think they should get, Uh, what happens is you then go to the scripture and the enemy can start reminding you of this, uh, telling you that it's because you regard iniquity inside your heart and that that iniquity are hidden and secret faults. They could even be things that you are battling with in all sincerity and you haven't been able to overcome those things, which means that you are battling with certain things. And so uh, Satan now plants that thought on the inside of you that, If you don't overcome those things, none of your prayers are going to be heard. But it takes prayer to be able to even overcome them because it takes the supply of the power of God into your being for you to be able to to will and to do of God's good pleasure. And if these prayers, therefore, are now being hindered, all right, because you have this uh, reoccurring problem within your life, then how are you going to get the power of God to overcome the reoccurring problem? Because the reoccurring problem stops the power of God from coming. So you are now trapped in that particular situation, all right, or trapped in that mindset. Uh, And so it's important we understand what David was speaking about when he said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord is not going to hear me. Now, what was this iniquity he was speaking about? Um, if we, He was speaking about something that was very clear and very precise. Something that God frowned at uh, deeply. Because God, the Bible tells us in James chapter 1, that if any man lacks wisdom, he shall ask of God. And he says that God who giveth liberally and upbredeth not. Uh, the, the English words for that is God gives generously. God, you know, God is in a state where he is, when you say somebody is generous, when you say that person is a very generous person, what you mean is that if you go and meet this person for anything, you hardly are going to hear, all right, no from that person because the person is generous in an abundant measure. So once you have, get an audience with that person, you know that this person Mm -hmm. Is probably going to bestow you with these things. And he says, He upbraideth not. That word means he doesn't find fault. He's not trying to examine, to, to find a reason why he should not do it. You, you know, there are people that you want to justify your conscience for not doing something. So you are asking the person questions, trying to catch that person to, you know, to, to, to investigate so that you can really find, you know, fault and say the reason why I didn't give this person this was because of this. And he says God is not like that. He's not, you know, inquiring to look into the areas of your life where you are making so he can uh, withdraw that particular blessing. That He's not that way. That he's, he's generous and he doesn't find fault, all right, uh, to, to stop him from giving you the blessing. But there's something that stands out in the lives of people that that once it stands out in that person's life it stops the power of god from reaching that person uh, that's what god referred to when he says my hand is not shortened that it cannot save my ear is not heavy that it cannot hear but but there is something that is going on in your heart there is something going on there that has hindered me from being able to intervene in your situation and he called it iniquity If I regard iniquity inside my heart, the Lord himself will not hear me. Now what's this iniquity he was speaking about? In Psalm 28, it tells us Psalm 28 and verse 3. It says, draw me not away with the wicked. And then it says, with the workers of iniquity. Now what do these workers of iniquity do? And we're going to see that this is the same thing Jesus was referring to. If you have tried to understand what he meant when people came to meet him and said, we were in the streets, we listened to your messages, we, we preach the word of God, we, we cast out devils. And he says, get thee from me, you workers of iniquity. What was he talking about? The presence of something within their lives they never addressed. They walked that. They, they, they functioned with that, They you know, they walked with that particular thing. That's how they interacted with people. And he talks about it here, he says, draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity. Uh, look at what he says in verse 2, hear the voice of my supplication when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands towards thy holy oracle. Then he said it again. Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity. That is, I've come in prayer. And who are the workers of iniquity? Which speak peace to their neighbors. But mischief is inside their hearts. So he's talking about a type of person who is deceptive in their human relationships. Let's put it that way. And so what he's talking about is somebody here, all right, who speak peace to their neighbors, but really mischief is inside their heart. So they can hug people, but with the conversation that is going on in the deepest parts of their heart, what they are thinking towards that person is completely different from the actions that they are showing towards that individual. Uh, you know, they they it, 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 it's it built on hypocrisy it's it's what you will call you hide hatred all right with your lips i mean the scripture speaks about that a man who hides hatred with his lips hatred is on the inside but he hides it with his lips so what god is talking about is our own the way and manner in which we relate with one another this is the iniquity that he's speaking about that people indulge in the practice of this and he says I will not respond to the prayers of that particular type of person. Uh, a person who, who speaks peace to his neighbor, but mischief is inside the heart of that person. That's why he tells us in Mark 11:24, he says, Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you have received. In other words, come up and praise me about that particular thing when you're praying. But then he now goes on and tells us, and, and this is the only thing that Jesus mentions as a hindrance to your prayers when you are offering it up. He said if you have ought against any, he says forgive while you are praying. When you stand praying, if you have this kind of thing where you are interacting with people, but you have hidden hatred within your heart, you, you have been robbed of wrongly, you've been hurt, you're offended, he says release that particular thing let that particular thing go forgive all right that your father who is in heaven might also be able to intervene and forgive you so it's about releasing uh, people there in the place of prayer so he says you come up to the place of prayer and and there's no mischief that is in your heart now what he's talking about is this thing is something that god alone can really see so the person might even feel comfortable with you. The person might even think that I'm in the good books of this person. But God can see, all right, that, look, the, this, you are hugging these people, you are relating with these people, but what's going on inside your heart is not really right towards them. He says, so when you stand praying, uh, come before God there and and bring these people up in the place of prayer and, and let there be goodwill prayers that you offer up. Uh, this essentially what you are praying into your own life pray such benefits into the lives of the people that as your prayers are coming up there must be something inside you know there was in when, when they mixed the incense in in the in the on the altar back then there was something they had to put in it which was bitter in order for that thing to be uh, um, uh, for God to receive that particular thing And I believe that as we come up with our prayers, there's something that God wants in those prayers that makes those prayers acceptable unto him. He he wants the prayers as you are offering up prayers for your own advantage, for your own progress. He says those who have despitefully used you, you're also praying for those people. You are praying for people that have robbed you of wrongly. Whether it's real or perceived, you are making intercession for those people. He hears you asking for blessings for people who you should have enmity in your heart towards them. That that when you offer prayers like that, that's what Jesus was saying in, in Mark 11. 25 there he says when you stand praying forgive so that your father who is in heaven might also respond or write to you in a favorable way so let's look at this and see how this ties up with prayer let's look at um psalm 34 here and we'll see it in psalm 34 uh, verse 1 now i want to read it from the beginning so so we come to see the power that is contained in this. Now we are talking about praying and about the basic ground rules for us to be effective in the place of prayer when it comes to our relationship one with another. Now we can't talk about the fact that you know we love God so much, we praise him and we thank him. But even John tells us, Apostle John, in the book there, of he says, if you cannot love your brother whom you see, who is created in the image of God, he says, how then can you say you love God whom you cannot see? So the first test of our love for God is a demonstration of love, all right, for our brethren there so I can come there and offer up worship unto God. But God says, before you start the song, the first thing I want on that altar is forgiveness. That is the sacrifice that I want, first of all, on that altar. Forgiveness there. That's why it tells us in the book of James, you cannot with one mouth bless God, and then with the same mouth curse men who are created after the image and the likeness of God. He says we can't have bitter and sweet waters coming from the same source. We can't have fresh and salt waters coming out of the same source there. So you cannot be a person who offers praise unto God, who offers worship unto God, but then that same mouth there curses people that are created after the image of God. You cannot recognize which means that you are so upset at what the people have done to you that the image of God on the inside of them, you can no longer recognize that image. Uh, there is nothing within the lives of those people that you can offer up praise and thanks unto God for. Remember, it tells us that when Paul told Timothy to pray, and this is why prayers sometimes are not effective. He said, I, I, he said, first of all, let supplications, then prayers. The word prayers, there's worship. Then it says intercession and giving of thanks be made for all men. All men. All men. Without exception. Which means give thanks for all men. You can no longer give thanks for that person because of something you have seen or what that person has done to you. Uh, Which means thanksgiving is out of it. I can't thank God. I mean, you can even have people who are helped by people maybe people while you were interacting maybe a friend and this person did several good things to help you and then they made one major mistake that really hurt you and now you define their entire being no longer by any good thing that they have done you no longer can see the image of god inside of them the only thing you can see is this demonized version of them but you sing praises to god but with that same mouth, you curse men who are created after the image and in the likeness of God. He says these things ought not to be so. So there is a foundational test, alright, in our spiritual sacrifices being acceptable unto God. And that foundational test there is the fact that we have forgiven people. Uh, um, that's why it tells us that if you give all your goods to the poor and have no charity, we can call that Forgiveness, there, you there's hatred within your heart towards certain people. It says, it says, it is all nothing. It says, if you bring your gift to the altar of God, and you remember that you have ought in your heart against your brother somewhere, it says, first of all, go and get reconciled unto your brother before you offer up that gift. In other words, forgiveness is what makes all right. The practice of forgiveness, it was makes they even an offering, a, 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 a physical offering acceptable unto God. We've seen it also that worship is acceptable when that tongue does not practice cursing people. And we need to get rid of that from our tongue. And the way we do that is to remove animosity completely from our heart. And we do that in the place of prayer. When we get to pray and we offer our prayers for ourselves, it says, I want you also to pray for people all around you, people that may even have robbed you off wrongly. Now, we see this in Psalm 34. Now, read with me here. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. From verse 1, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt the Lord, his name, together. Now, hear what he says. He says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from how many? All of my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him from what? All of his troubles the angel of the lord encampeth around them that fear him and delivereth them O taste and see that the lord is good blessed is that man that trusteth in him oh fear the lord ye he saints, for there is what no want to him that fear no want he delivers them from all their fears he saves from all his troubles all his fears all his troubles there is no want to them that fear him then he tells us the young lions do lack and suffer hunger but they that seek the lord shall not want any good thing you see how powerful these descriptions are then he says Come ye children and hearken unto me I will teach you the fear of the Lord So he now wants to teach us The secret The fear of the Lord For whoever fears God He says magnify let us exalt The name of the Lord together For I sought the Lord He delivered me from all my fears And then he says the angel of the Lord encampeth around them that fear him And delivereth them Oh fear the Lord O oh ye he saves. For there is no want to them that fear him now, so he says, come, you children, verse 11, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he? Now, listen to what David is saying here. That desireth life, and loveth many days, that he may see good. Keep thy tongue from evil, and thy lips from speaking guile. Guile there is hypocrisy. It says, depart from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. What is this peace? It is this peace we are saying that is inside the heart of a person, where there is no guile upon the lips of that person, where it tells us glory to God in the highest, and it says peace unto all men, goodwill and peace unto all men. In other words, goodwill from your heart. Peace is not, you know, a condition that we try to establish on the outside. It's a condition that is inside the heart of a person towards another. Which means regardless of how a person treats you, regardless of how a person responds to you, right? Peace is is, 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 is an extension of goodwill from your being towards people where the state of your heart and the words of your lips are consistent towards that individual. It's peace that you extend towards that person. And in order for you to operate in that space, all all unresolved issues there in the place of prayer, you let go of those things and come to a place of peace and come to a place there of goodwill towards that person. Thank you.